In your Bible today, you can turn it to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, if you will, for a moment. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I'll read from there in a few moments, but let me talk to you a little bit about the chest of Joash. In the book of 2 Chronicles, don't turn there, I'm not going to read it, but if you want to write it down, there's the story of the chest of Joash. The chest of Joash story involves an Old Testament king, obviously named Joash. He came to the throne after a time of great wickedness in the kingdom. And uh, Joash was a godly man. His grandmother had really taught him about the Lord Jesus Christ and God and all that, and he loved God. And the times had been so wicked preceding his taking over as the king. The times had been so wicked that they closed the temple. For several years, the temple had been closed. The priest had disbanded. There was no money to pay them. They couldn't even finance the operations of the temple itself. The priest had all scattered, and Joash decided, we've got to turn back to God. And there was a great revival under him. And what Joash did was he took a chest, and he put it at the door of the temple, and he put out a proclamation through the country, and he said, we need to reopen the temple. We need to rehire and bring back the priest and finance the work of the Lord. And I want everybody to come, and I want them to give. And you put your money in the chest, and uh, we'll, we'll begin again the worship of God in our nation. And so that's the idea for the chest of Joash. I think we started having the chest of Joash as an annual occasion here at our church in about 1993, about the time we moved into this building. And every year we've had it uh, on an annual basis. We talk about stewardship in Sunday school for a week or two. Usually I preach one message, sometimes two, on stewardship. And then we mail to everybody a copy of our card. This year we're using the theme, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Commitment Sunday, and we put this in the mail to your home. Everybody here should have one. Now, if you don't have one, uh, ushers, do you all have some extras on that? Do we have those? Do the ushers have them? Okay, you do. Stand up, ushers. There might be somebody that forgot theirs today or you didn't get one in the mail, or you haven't opened your mail, or for whatever reason you don't have one, and we want to give you one. I want everybody to be able to participate that uh, wants to participate, okay? Now, I think we've covered everybody. Okay, everybody that wants one gets one. Everybody in the choir got one? Yeah, okay. Anybody else? All right. Here's what the card says. Yes, I believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. Therefore, in recognition of God's ownership and in response to my love for Christ and in obedience to the scriptural teachings and with the Lord's help, a lot of ifs there, I will do my best to invest a minimum of one-tenth the tithe of my income in God's work through the Florence Baptist Temple. There's a blank here that says, my weekly tithe is, and you would write in there what you intend to give this year unless you're providentially hindered, unless you're sick or lose your job or something like that. And then my weekly building fund offering, if you want to co commit to that. We're not building anything right now, but that's how we do repairs and upkeep on our buildings every year. And that's a lot of 
that takes a lot of money in itself. And you drop this in. There's no place to sign it. Years ago, we took the name off of it because I think when you put your name there, you're, you're in, in essence saying, they're checking on me. We're not checking on you. We won't know who put what. You can put a dollar. You can put a million in, on there. We won't know where it came from. Don't put a million unless you intend to give it. It might mess up our accounting, okay? But, <laughs> but you get the idea. You put in there what you legitimately plan to give to the Lord's work through our church, and, and the, the commitment is to the Lord that way. He doesn't need a signature. And so you're making the commitment to the Lord himself, and uh, there's nobody going to come knock on your door. We don't do any of that kind of thing here. I preach on it. We don't do yard sales, rummage sales, whatever they call them. We don't do sales trying to raise money. We believe the Bible teaches that God's people should support the work of the Lord, and you do it through your tithes and offerings. So we pass the plate, and whatever we give, that's what we live on. But, boy, God has so blessed us. Last year, this church gave over $5 million to the Lord's work. That is incredible. Uh, I never dreamed of that. Now, there were several really large gifts came in right at the end of the year, but that came in because we have people who believe in what we're doing. They believe in the Lord's work, and they give, and God has prospered them. Boy, they can't give it if they don't have it, can they? And so, obviously, God has blessed many of our people in a very substantial way. So you're making a commitment to God, and at the end of the service today, I'm with Jonathan will play on the piano. You'll just come down. Chest will be open. You drop your anonymous commitment in there, and then uh, we'll sing the doxology and go home. Now today, however, before that, my subject is the nutshell of stewardship, the nutshell of stewardship. And I've used that term through the years, and I return to it today because the nutshell means we're getting right down to the essence. We're getting to the core. We're getting to the heart of the whole matter of stewardship. And I think I can do it with three principles. I think you can boil all stewardship teaching and thinking down to three simple principles. I hope you'll listen. You may not be a member. And by the way, if you're not a member, we're not asking you to give anything that's where I'm talking to church members. But you see, uh, stewardship is one of the most profoundly important things in the Christian life. Until we really begin to practice stewardship, we haven't really committed ourselves to the, to the Christian faith in essence. And so listen to me, no matter who you are, these principles are going to apply to you. The first principle of stewardship, number one is God's ownership, God's ownership. And I read to you from the text passage now, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Normally we stand when we read the Word of God, but I'm already into the message, so I won't ask you to do so. 1 Chronicles 29, and I want you to begin looking at your Bible, verse 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, and this is his prayer now, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. And here's my phrase. Look at it closely. Underline this in your Bible. 
for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Everything belongs to you, God. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as the head above all. Both riches, if you have riches, it comes from God. If you have honor, it comes from God. Riches and honor come from thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, said David, and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? Notice that, willingly giving, that we would be able to offer so willingly after this sort. And here it is again, God's ownership, underscored in your Bible. All things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. When I give God something, I'm only giving it out of what he's already given me. We are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were our fathers. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is none abiding. There's nobody that lives on forever. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee an house, for thy holy name cometh from you. And here it is again, underscored, all and is all thy own. In other words, God owns everything. That is, in my mind, the most important stewardship principle of all. Uh, you can preach and preach and preach and talk about it, but bottom line, it comes down to one thing. God owns everything. God owns it all. Everything that I have, everything that you have, is from God because He is the Creator. It's His by right of creation. Everything I have is His by right of redemption. Christ died and purchased me and everything I am and have. If you get hold of that, that's life-changing. God owns it all. He owns all the real estate. He owns my house. He owns the land under it. He owns the stocks and the bonds that people think they own. It is in their retirement program, but it really is God's. He owns it all. He owns the gold and the silver. He owns the cattle. The song says on a thousand hills, the song is wrong. He owns the cattle on every hill, <laughs> all the cattle. Everything. He owns the trees of the forest. He owns all the wealth of the minerals that's in the ground. He owns all the oil. He owns all the gas. Start, start, think, think about all the implications of that. God owns it all. He owns the food that's growing in the fields. He also owns our time. He gives us our time. Our times are appointed and it says even here in the passage that we read that our days on the earth are like a shadow and nobody is abiding, nobody's staying. I was talking to a landscaper the other day, and I said, why did that tree die? He said, it's because it's living. Everything that's living dies. It has a lifespan. And so I have a lifespan. You have a lifespan. The bush out there on the street has a lifespan. It's God's. 
And he determines all of that. My time, 24 hours a day, he gives me. The poorest man on the earth and the president of the United States have the same amount of time, 24-7. Nobody can add to it. Nobody can take from it. It's a marvelous, marvelous thing, time. It's a gift from God to human beings. He owns our talents, our abilities. If I can play the piano, it's a gift from God. If I can draw a picture, that's a gift from God. If I can speak publicly, that's a gift from God. If I'm a nurse or a doctor, that healing gift is from God, the Bible teaches. If I'm a businessman and I know how to make money, that's a gift from God. Get it in your head, folks. Everything comes from God. Everything comes from Him. Even our bodies. What does it say in Romans 12, 1? Present your bodies a living sacrifice to God because He created our bodies anyhow. This is not my body. And so I'm to take care of it. It's the tabernacle, the temple in which I live. And so if I eat right and if I exercise and if I do the things my doctor says to do and try to take care of it, that's stewardship of my body. But my body belongs to the Lord. The Bible says that clearly in 1 Corinthians. You are not your own. Your body belongs to the Lord. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everything belongs to God. My family belongs to God. Stop and think about that. If you ever turn over your family to God, you're going to treat them probably different than if you think they're yours. I talk about my wife over here to my left. She's really God's daughter, and he gave her to me. I'm the steward of that relationship. And the children he gave us, they're his children. Think about that. So I better never abuse God's children. I better remember when, I'm, when I have those children, I've got to train those children. I'm training them for him. I'm shaping them and molding them for him. They're his. They're not mine. God owns it all. Now, the World Economic Forum met over in Davos, Switzerland this past two weeks ago. All the liberals of the whole world gathered there. And they figured out now how to reorder society for us. And they wrote the book, The Great Reset, right? We're going to reset everything. And you remember the guy that uh, I showed you the film clip of it even because those are powerful people. They are really reshaping the world. Whether And people here laugh at them, oh, a bunch of eggheads over there. No, no, don't take them too lightly. They're the movers and shakers of this, of this world right now. And they met over there, and, then, and the guy, I showed you the film clip. He said, you will own nothing and be happy. And we kind of laughed at that tongue-in-cheek. The truth is, you already don't. <laughs> you can't take from me what I don't have. It all belongs to God. <laughs> so I didn't take him too seriously. We're not shareholders, by the way. I hear Christians, oh, we're shareholders. No, you're not a shareholder. God owns it all. You're not a shareholder. You're a sharecropper. You live on the land, and you get to work the land, and you get to share in the fruit of the soil, but God owns the land. God owns it all. You're not a shareholder. You're a sharecropper. 
Do you get the point I'm trying to make? I'm, I'm burning up my time, but you got to get this one. God owns it all. What does James say? Every good thing that we have in life comes from God. I think he says it like this. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness. variableness. God never changes, neither shadow of turning. God owns it all. Everything I have good, if I can draw a breath, is from God. He energizes me. He is life. He controls time. And He has blessed us with such abundance. You and I, we hear so much bad about our nation. America is about 5 or 6% of the whole world's population. If you live in America and make above $1,500 a year, you are in the upper half of the people of the earth in wealth. And there's nobody here making $1,500 a year. I can tell you this, God's prospered us, and it's from Him. Now, if we get that nailed down, then you won't resent the preacher talking about stewardship, see? So if God owns it all, second principle, what is our responsibility then? God, God, and we talk about man's stewardship. God's ownership, principle one. Principle two, man's stewardship. First of all, let's define a steward. That's the Bible term. A steward is a manager. A steward is an, an administrator. Ryan Cole holds the office here of our church administrator. He is over the properties and the buildings and the money and all of that, the tangible resources of this church. And Ryan serves that office, by the way, very, very well. He's not here today. He's not feeling well. But, boy, he's done such a fabulous job for us. And before that, Brother Clayton Simmons. They're our administrators. You know what? They don't own anything here. They don't own anything here. But they handle it for us. So they handle the offering in a responsible manner, and they, we, Ryan drives through this property every day looking for what needs to be fixed and what needs to be painted and what needs to be worked on and, and upgraded and so on. That's his job. He takes care of what belongs to us. And so if God owns it all, and I am his manager, his administrator, his trustee, his steward, then that means that uh, I'm managing it for him. That's stewardship. God owns it all. He allows me to manage a part of it for him. And that's why I said we're really sharecroppers. The sharecropper lived on the land. He planted the field. He received the harvest. He divided it with the owner. God owns the field. The field is the world and everything in it. The Scripture says that. God owns it all. I am his steward, his trustee. He gives me a salary. He allows me to live in his house. I live on his land. I pastor his people here. And so I am so, so wonderfully blessed. Every good thing comes from him. And I work his land and try to produce a crop. And I get to keep part of the crop. I get to keep 90% of it if I want to. And I give him his tithe, his allotment, if you will. 
Now, we're to return to him then a portion. I got ahead of myself. What's the portion? I want you to turn your Bible back to the book of Deuteronomy because there's another wonderful principle that I think is not preached very often. Lots of times preachers just preach on, you know, you got to give your tithe and that kind of thing. But I want you to see a principle that's even deeper than that. It's Deuteronomy 16, 16. Deuteronomy 16, 16, and actually this principle is several times in the Bible. I'll only show you one, one time. And here the males are supposed to appear before the Lord in verse 16 of Deuteronomy 16. Three times a year, everybody had to come together and appear before the Lord. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, that was right at the Passover. The Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles, three major feasts. Everybody had to come. Now, look at the last phrase in your Bible. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty, meaning empty-handed, meaning that everybody that came brought the Lord something in recognition of his ownership and who he was. Everybody. Look in verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able. There's proportionate giving. He is to give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. Again, everything is owned by God, and he gives us some of it. Everyone is to give. I, I struggled a little bit as a preacher in the early days of my ministry because I, I, I kind of pulled my punch. I said, you know, you're, you should give if you're able. And, and I, I really had a heart of compassion and concern because I had some very, very poor people in the church, and I knew they could hardly give anything. And I almost felt, guilt, felt guilty that I was preaching to them. Everybody's supposed to give. And then I began to study my Bible. I remember Elijah going to a widow in 1 Kings chapter 17. And she was down to her last meal. She said, I've got a little oil and a little meal. I'm cooking the last meal. And then my son and I are going to die. She had given up hope. What did he do? He said, give it to the Lord. And she gave it to the Lord. And the whole house was full of oil after that. Every vessel they could find went out and borrowed them from the neighbors. In other words, giving, even when it's difficult to do, opens the door for God's blessing. Giving is the path to blessing. I don't know if people believe that in this mechanical, uh, scientific age or not, but I believe it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the apostle Paul writes to, he's writing to the Corinthian church, and he tells them, now the saints over at Jerusalem, they are very poor people over there. They're being persecuted. In fact, the saints in Jerusalem are poorer than you are by far. Corinth is a much richer church than is Jerusalem. But they took up an offering for you because you had a, a problem here. And they took up an offering, and here's what he said. They gave beyond their measure. They gave beyond abil their own ability. They were so generous-spirited. They gave beyond what they could even do because they believed that God would bless them in return for that. You see, now listen to me. Here, here's the core of everything I believe about stewardship, and I want you to get it. Don't walk out of here misunderstanding or not knowing today, please. Whether you even participate or not, you need to get this. When people began to tithe, 
putting God first in everything in life changes your worldview. And so people come, they come here and we teach them about stewardship. They go on to the Dave Ramsey uh, stewardship course over here that we give the uh, principles there. And the first thing they learn, and Dave Ramsey so strongly uh, uh, emphasizes this, you tithe, you start tithing. Uh, you work up to it. You may, you may have to start at 2%, but you work up to it. But your goal is to be a tither first. And then secondly is to get out of debt. Now, we're not talking about businessmen knowing how to leverage. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about get out of consumer debt. First thing Dave Ramsey says, cut up your credit cards. Amen, amen, amen. That's a curse, isn't it? If we get rid of the social media and the credit cards, what a wonderful world it would be. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't say amen. You said, oh, me. But we teach people. And every time after the Dave Ramsey course, we talk about it. During this course, during these nine weeks or ten weeks, we paid off $14,000 worth of debt, and we cut up 20 credit cards, paid the debt off. That's a victory. And you see what's happening is people get a hold of stewardship. You accept your responsibilities as a steward. It causes you to reevaluate everything, reevaluate everything. Do I really need that? If I buy that boat, that car, that house, that suit, that, that whatever it is, if I buy that, I won't be able to tithe. Uh-oh, putting God first. Now, I've got to have a budget. I've got to start controlling my spending. There's only so much money I have, no matter how well off I have. I can't have everything. And you develop a new paradigm. You develop a worldview of disciplined spending. And you know what? Generosity starts becoming important to you. It's not just about, listen to me, stewardship is not about the 10%. It's about the 100%. Stewardship is not about how much you give to the Lord. It's also what you do with the other 90%. And you want the Lord to smile on every purchase you make. Would the Lord want me to buy this? It means I stop wasting money, and I stop wasting time, and I start taking care of my body, and my family becomes a priority in my life. Stewardship. It's everything. And people begin to feel different about themselves. There's an old saying that says, if a pauper gives, he feels like a prince. If a prince doesn't give, he feels like a pauper. How true. It shapes our whole uh, worldview, our self-esteem, when we become a giver and not just a taker. So how much are we to give? Well, the Old Testament, you know, required the first, now not the last or the middle, the first 10%. The tithes of the 10th, 10% of everything God gave them. The first things always belong to God. If you'll read your Old Testament and read your Bible, you'll find out that God always asks for the first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The priority of life is God's kingdom. It's not me. And then God asked for the first day of the week. I believe he wants the first hour of the day when possible. 
He asked for the first fruits of the harvest. When the, when the Jewish farmer came in, the very first part of the crop, you take it and give it to the Lord because you're acknowledging that the very fruit of the, of the ground came from the hand of God. And so the firstborn child even, you remember the Old Testament? The firstborn had special privileges because they had been redeemed with silver. And God said, the first child belongs to me even in a special way. So when you become serious, stewardship is the all-encompassing doctrine of the Bible. Now, the tithe was the ancient standard before the law, or uh, before, yeah, before the law. In, in Genesis 14, Abraham paid tithes, and the law wouldn't be given for another four or 500 years. And then under Moses, of course, in Leviticus chapter number 27 and verse 30, the tithe is holy to the Lord. And in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is sitting over looking at the people as they drop their money in the treasury, which were boxes on the wall around the temple. And he commended the Pharisees, the only time he ever commended them. Most of the time he was criticizing them, but he commended them. Matthew 23 and 23, and he said, I commend you for your scrupulousness in your giving. You even go out to your little herb garden and tithe the mint and the anise and the cumin. You, you take, you're so scrupulous in your giving that you count the leaves and you give God a tithe from that. The early church fathers practiced tithing. Now, I know today that people say, well, the New Testament doesn't command tithing. Okay, I agree with you. You can't find that in the New Testament. There's many principles you can't find in the New Testament that we honor. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I'll show you what the New Testament does say. And it's very clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. And here it is. On the first day of the week, see, first. The first belongs to God. The first day of the week is the day of worship. Wherever you go on the first day of the week is where you're supposed to take, do your giving. As I've told you through the years, you don't eat at McDonald's and pay at Hardee's. If you attend the Florence Baptist Temple, your tithe ought to go here. And if you want to give beyond that to somebody else, that's your business. But, but wherever you go on the first day of the week, that's where you give. All right? That makes sense. And then every one of you. So we come back again. If you have a lot, that's for you. If you're medium, middle class, that's for you. If you're poor, that's for you. It's because it's going to be proportionate here in a minute. Every one of you lay by him in store. What in the world does that mean? Actually, we would literally say it like this. Let every one of you lay something aside that you can bring it when you come to worship God. Now, you don't have to bring it every week. You bring it the way you, you obtain it. I know that a lot of our people now have discovered that if you're older, you can take out of a retirement program if you have it and have it directly sent to the church. And a lot of our people give one time a year. 
and it comes out of their IRA or their 401, whatever, and they can give one time a year, and they don't have to pay the taxes on it. So that's a great way to be able to do it. You, you save the taxes. Talk to Ryan about that if you're interested. But others of us, we get paid every week, so we tithe every week. We get paid every two weeks, we tithe every two weeks. We get paid once a month, we tithe once a month. So, and then notice if you will. So let everyone lay aside something and store it up so he can give it, and then it's proportionate as God has prospered him. So if your income is very small, you can't give much. But start, make a good faith effort, and then ask God to bless you and learn the principles of good stewardship. Learn how to budget your money. Learn all the things that we teach here and preach. They're all biblical. They're not opinion. They're biblical principles that God has given to us in the financial realm. Give according to your income, lest God will make your income equal to your giving. Hmm? Let me say that again. Some of you weren't listening. You were playing with your phone. Give according to your income, lest God make your income equal to your giving. I, other night, I went to the South Carolina Citizens for Life banquet and fundraiser in Columbia. The spe special speaker was a guy named Seth Dillon. Now, for those of you who keep up with this kind of stuff, he is the editor and owner of the Babylon Bee, which is a satirical political newspaper. But he is a strong pro-lifer. He says he's a Christian. And here's what he said. I wrote it down on my napkin that night, and I said, wow, I want to hang on to that. If you're prospered to the point that you can give 10% and not feel it, you're not giving enough. You ought to give until it costs you something. Boy, there's wisdom in that. You see, some of us could give 10% and not even know we hardly gave because God has so blessed us. Others of us, 10% would maybe even be beyond our reach right now. But you start down the path. You pray God's blessing, and that makes you think, well, Maybe God could bless me more. Why is he not blessing? Well, maybe there's something else in my life. And I'm not a prosperity preacher now. You know that. But I am a believer that God prospers and blesses people who put him first in their money and in their life. And God has blessed some of us so richly, 10%, not much. Adrian Rogers, I've quoted this many times, to give less under grace than under law, Old Testament, is a disgrace to grace. You see, the tithe ought to be the floor, not the ceiling. Our goal ought to be, I'm trying to become a really generous person. To be able to be so prospered and blessed to the Lord that if anybody even needs something, I can, I can meet that need. I can do it in Jesus' name. Changes your perspective, doesn't it? This is not a requirement of law. This is, a, this is a response to God's blessing and His love in our life. Third principle, real quick. Number one, God owns it all. God, number two, I'm His steward. Number three, I'm accountable to Him. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus sat across from the treasury, it says, 
And he watched, and there was a widow woman. And the widow woman gave a quarter of a penny. In today's, she gave as little as you could give. In today's world, it would just be she dropped one copper penny in the offering. And God said she gave more than, Jesus said she gave more than anybody here. And there were people coming and dropping in big offerings. And Jesus, number one, noticed what people give. Number two, he notices today what we give. I can promise you. And then he said she's given more than anybody. Why did he say that? Because proportionate, she didn't have anything. And yet she found a little something she could give to the Lord. And she gave it. And so here's a guy who comes by and he gives a big amount of money, but it's 1% of what he could give. Here's a woman who doesn't have anything. And she gives a penny, but it's all she has and can do. And the Lord commends her. Oh, she's given the most of anybody. Because he, he, he holds us accountable, not for what we would like to do, he holds us accountable for what we can do. And in Luke 16 and 2, it says, you're going to give an account of your stewardship. And when will we do that? 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That happens right after the rapture. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to, it, to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I can... I preach on stewardship not very often anymore, but I preach on it with a lot of enthusiasm because I've seen it work in my life. Do you know what the first offering of this church was? We collected $38 and some cents and gave it to Dorothy Cook to go open us a bank account at the South Carolina National Bank. $38. Do you know what my salary was that week? about a year before I could get anything. I went door to door selling motivation programs and nobody in town was very motivated at that point. <laughs> and um, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be poor. I, I know you don't think that now. But I know what it's like to be My wife collected pieces of material and made my son his little garments, onesies, is that what you call them? She, she actually made his clothes. But we gave to the Lord. I remember one day I said, we can't get, give anything. Norma said, no, we are. You're not going to be a hypocrite. You're going to give. And we paid our tithe. And my dad and mother came over and set a bag of groceries on our. On our door. My daddy set the groceries on the door and left. I've been there. And now, I don't say this to brag, but I, I got to set the example. I give 20% of everything I make to the Lord. I double tithe now. I can do it. Man, I get a salary and I get Social Security both. <laughs> of course, I pay them more than they give me still, you know, but, but you get it? You can't outgive God. It works. Now, it's not going to work next week. Don't, don't come in here and give tithe and then call me up and say, it didn't work for me. 
It's a lifestyle. It's something you work into and you build toward. Stand to your feet with me, if you will, please.